afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are live from Footprint Center today here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Our coverage is brought to you by FanDuel, Suns, and the Nuggets tonight. In fact, I was reminded by our promotions team, we've got these uh, really cool Suns FanDuel fanny packs that we're giving away. you got to come see us here, and we've got a QR code that you could scan. And try to win a fanny, fanny pack? They're really cool. Okay. Oh, they're, they're very yeah, cool. Yeah, they look good. I saw it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, try to win one of those. You can come by and scan the QR code for that. But again, our coverage today is brought to you by FanDuel for a game that we're not quite sure what to expect tonight. We don't really know who from the Nuggets is going to play. Maybe not Jokic, maybe not Jamal Murray. We don't even know who made the trip. A lot of them are being listed as questionable for the game. My, uh, but just, my wife got me a fanny pack for Christmas. Did she really? Yeah. Because I always like carrying. I got, I got keys, a wallet, and a phone. Like, and I just never know where they are. You're, you're almost. So she got me one of those little things so I could put everything in one. You're almost like whispering, like you're kind of low key ashamed it's of it. Like I've, I've only used it a couple times, but you know, what color is it? Gray. Okay. Panta- Pantagonia. <laughs> <laughs> Patagonia. Patagonia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, have, a little fit. So can I, go over I, your shoulder. Do you, you have it with you? I want to see it. Oh, so you were also like, it's the one not around your waist, but like over your shoulder? Over the shoulder. Yeah, over the shoulder. Your wife me. is one of the most fashionable people I know. If oh, yeah, yeah. If yeah. she's purchasing it for you, yeah. then you're you're because good. Because I, I never know where, like, I have. I always have keys, a wallet, a phone. Sure. And, like, I never yeah, know. Yeah. I always lose something. Yeah. Where do you, so now I can just put it all in there. You do. You're always, I remember one day you nearly lost your wallet before the show started. Yeah. We thought we were going to have to find a fill-in for you. In fact, you told us we were going to have to find a fill-in for you because we, you couldn't find your wallet. You remember that day? Yeah, I was going to do the show. <laughs> like, I can't show. do the show if I can't find my wallet. wallet. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you can't do the show if you can't find your wallet? Uh, bring in the fanny pack. I'd like to see it one day. I have I like one. To, I'll bring it in. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to see yeah. it. Yeah, that's good. Excellent. Thanks, I'm not man. afraid to wear it either. Uh, you shouldn't be. I, you know, it's you pull that off if you want. All right. Um, All right here we go. Three reasons why the Suns will win the NBA Finals. Okay. Story you sent me today. Now, some of this we've covered. Some of this is going to sound familiar. Oh, okay? I, really, I really liked it. Number three, mm-hmm. the right trade deadline deal has produced an NBA Finals run before. This is part and parcel with what we talked about okay, earlier take, in the week. Take that part out. The okay. Mark Aguirre led the team, to, you know, the Pistons and Clyde Jack Drexler and the Rockets. Take, take all of those out. Go to the line. The Suns' biggest issue in the last few seasons is that neither Chris Paul nor Devin Booker is among the best closers in the game. Durant is, and when the NBA playoff games get tight, having Durant on your side is a huge advantage. And I take a little exception with that because the Phoenix Suns were the best team in the NBA in the final five minutes of basketball games, so somebody had to be closing for them to be that good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the final five minutes of basketball games last year, who was the best in the NBA? Historically, the Suns were. Right. So I don't really get what they're saying there. The biggest issue in the last few seasons is that neither Paul or Booker is among the best closers. Well, one of those guys had to be. They were winning all these games in the last clutch minutes. The Suns were better than anybody last year. So I do take exception with that. But I do think the point is that adding Durant, who's got the playoff experience and the championships and is never afraid to take the big shot, is just another element to what they have in Paul and Booker that's going to make them really hard to beat in close games. I think Chris Paul was one of the best closers in the game. I don't think he is anymore. I, I think Devin Booker and it just makes it easier to key on Devin Booker in moments like that. We saw that last year during the postseason. I would agree with you. I take a little exception to that. Number okay. two, the West is the weakest it's been in years. Love this point right here that they made. 
The west side of the bracket has produced 16 of the past 24 NBA champions since 1999. Wow. 16 of the past 24. Two-thirds, Two-thirds. have yeah. come from the west. You've had dominance with, you know, LeBron. You had you had the Lakers. You had Steph. Um, you know, you've had a lot of dominance right there. But right now, the power is in the east. The Bucks, who got clobbered by the Celtics last night. Yes, the did. Celtics, the 76ers. I mean, those are the teams to beat. So it says the Suns' path to the finals is easier than many other teams. And if they do make it to the end, they'll face an Eastern Conference side that's had to battle through at least one and probably two tough series. They think the West is wide open. We all think the West is wide open. They point out the teams at the top, you know, Denver and, and Sacramento and uh, Memphis. There's not a lot of experience there. So this is the year. This The West is wide open. It, ha- it is something that we've harped on quite a bit lately. Yeah, it, it's, it's not only is it open, but because of the injuries, it's just hard to know who's going to be able to do what, right? Like LeBron, how healthy, healthy is he going to be? Andrew Wiggins, is he going to be back? Paul George, is he going to be back? I mean, there, there are so many key, key guys in the West. A lot of variables. That, that, yeah, like, that it does. It introduces a lot of variables to the equation. And I think of a team like Boston, and yeah, they did clobber Milwaukee last night. Their potential path to a rematch against Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, man, it's tough. It's it's a, it's going to be a might be Miami in the first round, it might be Philly in the second round, and then Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Championship. Now, Boston's good enough to get there, but that's a brutal, brutal stretch of basketball to get there. It's it's a it's very tough. Yeah, playing six and seven game series instead of four and five. If you got to do it two three times, it wears teams out. Number one, the Phoenix Suns have the highest concentration of great players in the NBA. This is a really interesting topic for me because I do think that the Milwaukee trio of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis is better than anybody else's three. Okay. But when you throw the fourth guy in there, that's when a lot of people like the Suns, KD, Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. And it says, you know, that those guys were four of the top 50, and you might be able to make an argument that top four of the top 40. I don't know that I think that highly of Ayton at this point that I put him in there, but, you know, who's the fourth best guy in Milwaukee? You know, Boston has, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and um, uh, Jason Tatum. Yeah, Tatum. They've got three great ones. Who's their fourth guy? Who's Milwaukee's fourth guy? Is it Portis? Is it Lopez? You know, who is it? So I do think, you know, I do think I can make an argument for very equal and close threes, but if you get to four, and I don't know the answer to this, do the Suns have a clear advantage because their four is eight? Or, and I was thinking about it from a different perspective too, what if you just shrink it to the top two? Do the Suns have the best top two in the NBA? Compared to Boston's top two of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, compared to Milwaukee's top two of Giannis and Middleton, are the Suns' two best players better than everybody else's two? Because I agree with you on the three. I think when you expand it to three, I think it's Milwaukee. So if you went two, if you went, it, it is Boy, it's hard to say that anybody would have a better two than Durant and Booker. It seems like it, and it seems like it would be hard to the, say that anybody has a better four. The closest would be Tatum Brown. I would agree. Not Giannis Middleton. What makes the Milwaukee three great is Drew Holiday's great. He went for 51 the oh, other I know. night. He's fan- and he's one of the best defensive players in the One of the, the best. NBA. I mean, so I that's guess. why the matchup, like, he could, he could lock down Buck. Yeah. He's one of the few guys that can really do a good job on Buck. But then when we start having conversations about who the top two are... Do a healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis? No. Is that a better two? 
than the two of Durant and Booker or the two of No, because Brown there's no such Tatum? thing as a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron. <laughs> it doesn't exist. That's it a is, world that's just... difficult to achieve. I'll give you that. Um, no, I, I, I would say no. I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't think that LeBron and Anthony Davis are as good as Booker and Durant or uh, Giannis and Middleton or Tatum and Brown. I, I, would, I would probably say no to them. I mean, if you're just going to say top two, you know, like uh, it, uh, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis don't have an argument. John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't think have an argument. If you're just talking about the top two, um, Jokic and Murray, I don't think have an argument for being... Yeah, it's, 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 it's really good. It's, it's, it's really, really good. They're all really good. Of course, they're all really good. It's just, it, you know, how do we view concentrated power? Two players? Three players? Four players? How deep do you want to go? You know, you know what's interesting about the article is that, you know what's not mentioned in here? The three... Re- like, nobody on the bench. Nobody see. Nobody looks at that. It's about it's stars. In the playoffs, it's stars. No doubt. Nobody's saying the Suns are going to win because T.J. Warren's going to be good off the bench. or Because Ross can knock down a ball. Like, nobody's saying that. It comes yeah. down to the stars. When we come back, we just talked about the Suns and why they could hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. Is there a case to be made for the Suns' biggest rival and a team that right now is in the play-in tournament to go to the NBA title? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Durant, LeBron, Curry, and the rest of those Warriors, they smell something. They smell weakness in the Western Conference. Don't confuse all this stuff together for strength. It is a weak conference. Now, I'm saying that here in March. If we get to May and Jokic and the Nuggets and Ja and the, and the Grizzlies are standing there in the conference finals, they can give the middle finger to all those teams who feel that way. But right now, those teams smell weakness. And Durant's coming back. LeBron's coming back. LeBron's coming back on a bad foot because he smells weakness. It was Brian Windhorst earlier this week on NBA Live. We played those comments, and when we did, we kind of got a chuckle out of them because we're like, okay, yeah, KD, sure. Curry, yeah, sure. LeBron? 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 Talk about. We're talking about. We're not talking about Miami Heat LeBron. We're talking about Lakers LeBron, foot injury LeBron. And yet, one of the most, one of the more respected NBA writers who's been doing this a long time, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, wrote a story today. Mm -hmm. LeBron, Lakers are going to the NBA Finals. Yes, you read that right. Take your vacation days. Get your bets in. The Lakers will be one of the two teams playing in June. Book your plane tickets. They're going back to the Finals. Wow. Let's talk about why he thinks this. And he says it's not an knee-jerk reaction to the fact that the Lakers beat Chicago um, or that Anthony Davis had 38 or LeBron was in the starting lineup or anything like that. He was drunk? He, he, no, he, he he says it's about LeBron, it's about Anthony Davis and, and the three-point shooting that he's brought to the table lately. It's about Austin Reeves, who has been termed Hillbilly Kobe, <laughs> as an Oklahoma assistant lightheartedly branded him in college. Hillbilly <laughs> Hillbilly, Kobe. Hillbilly Kobe, which I think is funny. That is funny. He brings up D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura and Jared Vanderbilt. Malik Beasley is solid rotational players who can help. LeBron, the Lakers will only go as far as his body lets him. His foot injury was scary. He ended up going to see the LeBron of feet to get him back on his feet. But he kind of points out a lot of what Windhorst just said, that if you look around the West... 
if LeBron is healthy, who's stopping him? Denver, they're not great at defense. Memphis, good team, great defense, no experience. Sacramento, just happy to be there. Golden State, maybe. The Clippers, check back when Paul George is healthy. He does acknowledge Phoenix looks formidable if the Suns can stay healthy. First he all, really believes LeBron and the Lakers are going. First of all, I, I hate the Sacramento just happy to be there. They're not just happy to be there. That's the same thing as the Suns two years ago. Oh, they're just happy to be here. And they went all the way to the NBA Finals and led 2 nothing on Milwaukee. So don't buy that Sacramento thing. They're actually pretty good. I don't think that I don't think that LeBron and Anthony Davis can, you're talking about Again, we've talked about this from the Suns' angle. Let's take it from the Lakers' angle. You got to go through four series. You got to got to be on the road for all of them. Yes. Okay. You're on the road for all of them. You got to go through four playoff series with two guys that are very injury prone, and one guy's really old. He's 38 years old. Just don't see it happening. I think you know. I don't think that the supporting cast is as good as Maddox is making it out to be. You know, Hachimura and you know Beasley and uh, uh, Russell and Vanderbilt. Like those guys are they're okay. Like they're okay. Okay, no win in a championship because of those guys. You'd win it because Anthony Davis goes off, and that's what his point. I think in some of this was is look at what Anthony Davis has been doing. Look at LeBron since he came back. You know, talked about Anthony Davis scoring thirty eight in a game and their three point defense, second best in the league, and things like that. I don't think that they can go through four series. Mm-hmm. I, they're going to get knocked out, first round, second round. I don't even think they can make it to the Western Conference Finals. That's me. But you're, you're saying to win it, you've got to got to win four series. And I don't see that team that's been mediocre to bad all year long all of a sudden turning it on and winning four series. The only the only sliver I'm going to give them, the, the only reason in my mind I won't completely, totally reject it, kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment of the show. And if you, if you didn't hear what we were talking about, there was this conversation about why the Suns can win it all and how they have a better concentration of great players than other teams do. That their top four is better than anybody else's top Top four, and, and the only reason why I'll pause about the Lakers for a second is that if LeBron and Anthony Davis, and I know it's the big ask, if LeBron and Anthony Davis can stay healthy for all four of those playoff rounds, and they're playing at LeBron Anthony Davis levels, then their two are arguably as good, if not better, than anybody else's two in the NBA. If it, if that's really what this is about, if it's really about saying we've got the two best players in the NBA on our roster and you don't. There are other teams that could match them. There are there are other teams that you could argue are better than their two. But when healthy and when on the floor together and when producing, I think you can at least make the argument that the Lakers' top two are better than anybody else's top two. That's the only reason why I would give this even a snowball's chance in hell of being true. I just don't know if LeBron, and in particular Anthony Davis, I just don't know if he can stay there. I mean, this is Anthony... Davis we're talking yeah. about, right? He just he I'll, struggles to stay there. I'll put it this way. I would rather play the Lakers in a seven-game series than Memphis, Sacramento, or Denver. I don't buy it. I don't buy the Lakers. Now, the, you know, Maddox is bringing, well, the Lakers have the NBA's fourth best defensive rating since the All-Star break. And when, you know, James Davis and Russell, they have their offensive rating is this. And eight of Le- LeBron James' past nine postseason appearances have ended in the finals. And they've got the supporting cast now. And I just, I, 
I would be more fearful of Sacramento. I'd be more fearful of Memphis or Denver than I would of the Lakers. I would welcome the Lakers. I remember a time when Alvin Gentry was was uh, with the Spurs, and I, and I and I remember going into the, start, the the series. I was like, "You want this Spurs team? You want them?" I said, "The Suns are going to sweep them." I was on record. Mm-hmm. The Suns are going to sweep the Spurs. This Spurs team is not the Spurs team, and everybody and everybody was so scared of the Spurs, but they swept they swept them. Alvin Gentry and the Suns swept the Spurs. And it was like, I don't fear that. And I don't fear this Laker team at all. I don't fear this Laker team at all. I don't think they could win more than one game against the Phoenix Suns in a seven-game series. They might get one. And that would be all that they would get. They're not getting two. This isn't two years ago when the Suns were without KD and when the Suns were fresh and didn't know anything and they were on their way to the NBA Finals and they've they got the Lakers in the first round. And that team beat them four games to two. Yeah. This Suns team would either sweep the Lakers or beat them in five games. I don't... I'm... I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we're talking about this because I thought it was that absurd that a Sports Illustrated writer, like a prominent Sports Illustrated writer, it's, he's not just saying that the Lakers have it. He's saying that they're going to win the damn thing. Well, it's look, I, I don't think Chris Mannix writes stuff for clickbait. I, no. I, don't, I don't think that's what he's I, about. I, I agree he's, with you. he's and so the fact. I, I guess here's where I am on this one. The fact that he's writing this is making me not nervous, not scared. It's just making me think about it a little okay. bit. You know what I mean? Like when somebody, like, um, like when uh, you probably don't have this, but if like your favorite movie critic of all time says, "Oh no, really? That movie's good. You've got to watch that movie." If somebody says that, and I go, or like, not even a movie critic, I couldn't name a movie. Critic. I know. Okay, it's a bad example for you, but let's say your best friend in the world who knows movies better than anybody else. Okay. If that person tells you, "Go see this movie. It's great." Are you sure it's got such and such in it? No, I'm telling you, it's really good. Really? Because it looks kind of dumb. No, really, it's good. Don't you automatically kind of go, okay, maybe I should give that movie a shot. And when Chris Mannix, yeah. you know, I don't want to build a house on Chris Mannix, all right? He's, he's, he's good. He's not that good. But when Chris Mannix says this, it kind of makes me, okay, what's he seeing that I'm not? Yeah. What's, what's, he, what's he looking at that I'm not? Because I was very dismissive of the Lakers, and now it's got me thinking that maybe I should at least not be so dismissive you know, of them. Van Landers or Dear Abby would say you shouldn't date that girl. Then you maybe take that like take that advice seriously. Right? Like somebody you trusted. Somebody right. you really trusted. Whether it was Ann I, Landers I, you, and Dear you Abby. Didn't, you didn't strike me as an Ann Landers type, Gambo. That uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on in those days. I would occasionally read the newspaper. <laughs> <You and laughs> I would occasionally read what they were saying and Dear Ann My I, boyfriend doesn't have a job and he wants to marry me and I don't know. My parents say no, that I could do better. Okay. What should I do? It didn't I mean, really strike me as th- that being you. So I'll, I'll think it. But mostly I'm with you. I, I, if the Suns were to meet the Lakers in the first round, bring it. Bring, bring it. it. Bring I mean, I it. it. Let's go. Okay, Lakers or, Lake, Lakers or Sacramento? Oh, I'd rather face the Lakers. Lakers or Memphis? I'd rather face the Lakers. Lakers no, I'm with, I okay. said I agree. Okay. I'm with you. I'm, okay. with, I'm with you on this one. Okay. I'm, but but dude, just got to think about it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, who are some of the NFL teams that need to nail the NFL draft? Is there ever a more obvious answer than the Arizona Cardinals to this question? That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
Welcome back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We are live from Footprint Center, home of the Phoenix Suns. Our coverage today is brought to you by FanDuel. We're going to be here until 6 o'clock. Suns and the Nuggets, 7.30 start time tonight, a little later, I think, because of a national TV audience. But uh, come by, see us, say hi. We look forward to meeting you if you're coming down to the game for the 7.30 tip tonight between the Suns and the Nuggets. In the meantime, as I mentioned earlier, Gambo, Four weeks from right now, we will be not only analyzing what the Cardinals did in the first round of the draft, we'll be talking about what they're preparing to do in the second and the third round of the draft. Will they have an extra second round or third round pick from trading DeAndre Hopkins? Will they? So quiet on that front. Isn't it crazy? It is so quiet. It is nuts how quiet it's been on that front. Yeah. I I know I keep saying this, and and you, you, um, today's the last day of March, which is hard enough to believe as it is, right? I can't believe it. Poll question a week and a half ago mm-hmm. is D Hop going to get traded by the end of the week, the end of the month, or before the draft? And I, I thought for sure, I keep saying this, but I thought for sure it would have happened by now, by the end of the month. And just a lot of conspiracy theories going on in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, DeAndre, how a good player is not wanted? I don't know. How a good football player is not wanted? How is Lamar Jackson? How does nobody want to trade for Lamar Jackson? That much crappy quarterback player there is in the NFL? Mm-hmm. You don't want to trade for a 26-year-old guy who was an MVP? Yeah. Like, I don't get that. Now, DeAndre his... Hopkins? Like, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's got two years left on his deal. You don't want to trade for I, like Some of this stuff is just like, you get to a point where you're like, I can't explain it. No. I just can't explain it. No, I can't it. either. Um, and I, I, I don't know what's going on with D-Hop, but I, I would presume if something's going to happen, it's going to happen by the draft. Now, if we get to draft night and DeAndre Hopkins is still a member of the Cardinals, then I'll really be blown yeah, away. Maybe a team in the first round at like kind of buying a wide receiver and they don't get him. Maybe they say, listen, let's just get hop and give up our second round pick. I mean, maybe that could be. Maybe. I, I, I assume resolution by then, but I don't know. The Cardinals, obviously, and we'll go over some free agency grades here in a minute. The Cardinals didn't grade well, but they didn't grade as poorly as I thought they were going to. We'll get to that in a minute. Based off of the way the Cardinals have approached free agency, it's fairly obvious we should be putting a lot of our stock into the draft, right? Because they just haven't done all of it. Anything. In Not- Five percent of it, yeah. So when there's an article, I think it was on Bleacher Report, that says here are the teams that need to nail the draft this year, yeah, you better believe the Arizona Cardinals are on that list. They need to nail the draft this year because they're certainly not nailing free agency when it comes to improving their roster. Yeah, I mean, they talk about the eight picks and the five in the top, you know, what is it, 105, and, you know, the, the, you know and then the potential that, you know, you could really, you could trade hop for a pick, you you could trade the number three pick for a whole bunch of picks. And when you combine that with, you know, there was another story on CBS Sports that said the NFL, the NFC West free agency grades, and they gave the Seattle Seahawks an A. And But the Cardinals got like a basic C. Like, you know, it's has got a lot of serious issues. Surprised it was that high, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was surprised that it was, too. I mean, they gave the Rams a D. San Francisco got a B plus. Seattle got an A, and the Cardinals got just a C, you know. And it goes over players lost and players added and, you know, talks about how they badly need to stockpile draft picks and, you know, surround Murray with the right guys. And, uh, you know, it it is going to be the draft. I mean, I think if we take anything out of the free agency or the lack of free agency signings is that, you know, they're going into this, even with money to burn in free agency, thinking that we've got to build our team with the draft. And maybe that lends you to think that they'll make a trade and, and acquire more picks for this year and next year, Possibly, but I would imagine that the, the majority of the focus, because all the guys they're signing, even the guy they signed was yesterday, it's a one-year deal. They're filling holes. 
they're plugging holes. They're getting depth, versatility. They're not signing great football players um, because they're not ready to win right now, and they know it. So what they need to do is they need to nail the draft. So it's very important that you know when people say this, like, hey, it's important for the, yeah, of course. That's that's where their focus of attention is on the draft, not free agents. Yeah, the guy they signed yesterday. Towards there actually were two players they signed yesterday. Defensive lineman, former Cowboys defensive lineman Carlos Watkins. He signed a one-year deal yesterday, and then earlier in the day, and we had mentioned this during yesterday's show, the Cardinals signed uh, former Kansas City corner Rashad Fenton to a one-year deal. He actually got a Super Bowl ring, even though he wasn't on the Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl this year. They, they gave him a ring anyway, even though he had been traded to Atlanta. I think, okay, going back to the draft for a minute, I, I think that... There's a couple reasons they need to nail the draft, and you just mentioned the first one. They're clearly putting the emphasis on the draft because they're not putting it on free agency. I think number two, and even though we're not going to have an answer to this question for two, maybe even three years, I think they need to nail the draft because this organization hasn't nailed a lot of drafts for the better part of the last six years. I think the fans need to know, need to feel good, that there's a front office in place who is routinely going to be in the habit of nailing drafts. Because I, I think I can speak for a lot in the fan base when I say this fan base is real cynical about this organization and their ability to draft. They 100%. just haven't been good at well, it. To the right? point where when, when the Cardinals would trade a draft pick for a player, like, okay, I get it because I don't trust their ability to draft a player. Anytime you get to that point in an organization, you, you, you need to think about why, you know, how you approach the draft, right? right? Like, you'd rather give up draft picks for current players than use picks on players that are cheap labor for the next four years. Yes. How bad do you have to be at drafting to actually want your team to do that. Well, bad at right? drafting, but also good at the trades. I mean, the, some of the trades yes. I made, the Carson yes. Palmer, the Chandler Jones, I mean, some of the trades were actually very good trades. But yeah, there was not a lot of belief that they were going to nail drafts. I mean, I still can't get over the Kyler Murray draft that he's the only player left from that draft. I mean, I still can't believe that. That is incredible. I mean, up just a few years ago, you've got one player left. It's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, the other thing is, if you go look at the draft grades every year, you'll see the Cardinals get a B, a B plus, a B minus. I mean, you can't, you don't really Really no. I mean, I read you one last week where they were raving about Hakeem Butler being a steal. Guy never played for the Cardinals. Right, like, right. Yeah, he was the steal. Hakeem Butler, he's going to be such a great player. No, he was, and he was terrible. The other thing I wonder about a story like this is how do we define nailing a draft? Is it taking Will Anderson or is it getting as many picks as you can? Uh, both. I mean, you could, both would be, both could be nailing. I mean, it could why, be. Why, is it, why does it have to be one? Well, just because I, I think you talk about the draft grades, I think some people will grade them highly for taking. Will Anderson, and I think some people will grade them highly for trading out of number three and getting a whole bunch of picks. You know, like it's it's the the beauty is in the eye of the beholder when it comes to something like this. And what what will the fans? How will fans of the Cardinals view this as nailing the drafts? Because you stayed put, you took Will Anderson, or because you traded down to Tennessee at uh, number eleven and you got a whole slew of picks. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Some people would rather have That's a what slew I mean. of picks. That's what some I mean. people would rather have the great player, and I. Think I think you. I'd rather have the great player. Um, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't, and I understand if you. And I'm. I, I've left myself some wiggle room on if they get a whole bunch of draft picks to being okay with it. Mm-hmm. But I really don't want to miss out on Will Anderson. I think he's a dynamic. I think he's the best player that's not a quarterback in the draft. And it took me some time to get to that conclusion. 
but I'm there now that I think you got to get great players. I'm tired. How many times we've we talked about, oh, the Cardinals don't have a top 50 player under 25. The Cardinals don't have a top 100 player under 25. I mean, I still think you need great players to win. Yes. And not just a bunch of good players. And a chance to get a great player, if you pass that up, man, you better get a freaking haul for it if you do. This free agency grade story that you mentioned, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why they gave the Cardinals a C. Like they gave the Rams a D, and and they go after them pretty hard for what they do. I, I just in my mind, I I'm surprised it's as good as a C. And there's nothing really in the write up that explains why they're given an average passing grade on this for what they've done in free agency. Because I, I feel like free agency has just been a disaster for the Cardinals. I don't think it's been good at all. No, I, I, I don't think they got any impact players. I think they plugged holds and depth, and but no impact players. But look at what they lost. Lost. And that, you know they mentioned the you know the the retirement of AJ Green and JJ Watt. AJ Green wasn't coming back, and Watt's contract was basically up. Um, but you look at the guys that they that they that they lost, including Byron Murphy and Zach Allen. Those were two those were two good players. Like they were draft picks that were good. Like you could have justified keeping those guys. So I I agree. I'm surprised that well, they actually gave him a C. But then I'm, I'm thinking about this now. I just called it a disaster, and yet. I, I think if the goal is to punt on the 2023 season and know that you're not going to be very good, then I guess I should. Then I, I would, if that's what you're trying to accomplish this year, then I guess you should give him a C or you should give him a B, right? Like, like if, like if we're, no, I, you know what I'm saying? Like if the if the whole goal is to not be very good this year, because you know you're not going to be very good, then maybe we shouldn't be so dismissive of what they've done in free agency. You could say they've actually done a good job of recognizing. Who who they are and what path they need to be on to actually sustain success with this organization. I think that might be a completely different test. I think this is just grade the free agency. Here's the players they lost. Here's the players they added. There's no mention anywhere of the plan, the right. plan, the plan that's in place. So I, I think they're looking at everything and saying, eh, it's 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 all right, it's okay. Like got some players that could come in and and maybe they're talking about some of the players that they retained too, you know, because they're included in it. But I don't know. I I think overall, it, it hasn't been a very good free agency offseason for the Cardinals. The Phoenix Rising season kicks off tomorrow against San Diego Loyal SC. We are giving you the chance to win tickets. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. You'll find details and your chance to win. Opening day, Major League Baseball. Was it a success? Are we on the clock? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. It worked. 233, 221, 307, 214, About 26 minutes shorter than last year's average. Well, we were talking with Bob Nightingale yesterday, baseball insider for USA Today. And he said, look, they're not even aiming for two and a half hours. Two hours and 45 minutes is the sweet spot that they're aiming for. They nailed it on day one with the new pitch clock. So maybe add an extra second or two to the pitch clock. If you were at (laughs) 2.30, you want to get to 2.45. 
I, I, I have no problem with it. It's going to be an adjustment a little bit. My, like, my wife, who's a millennial, like, she hated it. Really? We watched the whole game last night, and she's like, hey, she goes, I don't understand. Like, but why do people in such a rush? Like, to get, like, it's nice to go to the ballpark, sit, relax, you know, feel like you could go up, go to the concessions, come back, and not miss too much action. Mm-hmm. You know, that was her point. Like, you know, at the baseball game, you go up, you take your kids up to the up to the row where they can hit wiffle balls. There's, like, other things to do in the park, like, without missing too much of the action. She didn't like that. If I go to the concession stand, I might miss two innings. If I go to... You know, if I go to go buy, buy my kid a hat, I might miss so much action now because it's so fast-paced. Yeah. And so, like, Did again, you feel the same way? I think that it was two things on this. I think it was necessary okay. to change baseball to get it more in line for a younger generation that's used to every game in every sport being two and a half hours because there's a clock. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I get it. I never, me personally, I never had a problem going to the ball game. I never thought about the time when I'm at a baseball game. If the, if the game starts at 6.40 and it ends at 9.40 or I, 9 or 9.20 or 9.40 or 9.00, I don't, I never cared. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't care, but I understand why they did it. But I was just saying, my, my wife made some points last night that I hadn't thought about. You know, it, 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 baseball was well, a very relaxing. Sit back, enjoy, relax. I mean, you got to go to the, you got to go to the bathroom if you want to go buy your kid a hat. If you want to go have your kid hit wiffle balls. If you want to go get, you know, a hot dog and a soda. Like you don't feel like you miss a lot of action in a baseball game. But now that it's being sped up, like how do you time that? When when do you go? Yeah, and, and, and I mean, and honestly, most people consume these things. I mean, I'm not saying people don't go to baseball games, but uh, obviously this is probably more with the TV audience in mind as opposed to people who are there at the ballpark because it is a totally different experience. And I think when you're watching on TV at home, you know, you appreciate the fact that it's got a faster pace. To me, it was like, okay, I, I just read off all the times of all the games yesterday, and obviously it was shorter. I I don't even care so much that the time of ball game is two hours and 30 minutes or three hours long. I just want it to feel faster, you know? And I think that's what I liked about it yesterday. Now, at times, watching the Diamondbacks game, I thought it felt almost too fast. Like, I understand what Zach Gallen was talking about, about how he got the ball, he punched in the little thing on his on his wrist, right? And it was time to throw the pitch. And it was like, go, go, go. There was, But I, what I like about it, it's not so much that it's going to make for a shorter game. It's going to make for more action within that time, right? Like, more pitches in a more, in a shorter, compressed amount of time means the better chance that the ball is going to be put in play. Something's going to happen faster. There's going to be just a better pace and flow to the game rather than the constant stopping, getting off the mound, licking the fingers, here comes the catcher, let's talk, I'm going to throw over to first ten dozen times to see if I can get the guy not to go. All that stuff that just grinds a game to a halt and makes it feel like, oh my god, this is just so boring. Can we pick this up? Sure. I don't care how long the game is. I want the game to feel fast. Yesterday's Diamondbacks game, for the first... And I was watching the clock. Not the pitch clock. I'm in the clock on the wall clock. Yesterday's Diamondbacks game, I don't know how you felt about it. Man, it, I'm like, we're an hour in. We're in the fifth inning. Right. This thing's cooking. Yeah. Cooking, right? Like, it was going quick, and it yeah. felt 
fast and not in a bad way. It felt like it had real rhythm and pace and action, and I liked it. I think I, it's it very, worked for me. I think it's very beneficial for those watching at home because the game's going to move a lot quicker. And for those that, that are at the ballpark and really don't like staying for three hours or three hours and 15 minutes, I think it's going to be a benefit. I think it'll work. The players are going to have to get adjusted to it, even though they did it all through spring training. There's still going to be an adjustment period to it. And we'll, and we'll see if Major League Baseball tinkers with anything. Sure. You know, the, you know if they if they figure this or that, and because again, I mean, I, I don't know that this is like this is the perfect system. It's obviously a lot better, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made an adjustment or two on a couple of different things. No, and there were you know there were issues with Marcus Stroman committed the first regular season pitch clock violation. Raphael Devers was the first hitter called out for a pitch clock violation. We'll see about the tinkering, but obviously, if we're talking about opening day takeaways, that's obviously takeaway number one. If you're going to look at some of the individual results, you know, everybody likes to overreact on opening day. Um, the Colorado Rockies, everybody's presumed one of the worst teams in the National League. Of course they beat the San Diego Padres 7-2, right? Like, and if you're going to overreact to opening day, which a lot of people might, people might look at the Padres and go, hey, they spent a lot of money. Maybe they're not as good as everybody thought. Of course it's just one game. Yeah, no yeah. one's going to react like that. And then there was the Angels. Oh, Shohei Otani. He was... He was, but that team now. I know it's just one game. That team's got an unbelievable amount of pressure on them this year. Yeah, Tons. I think if they don't make the playoffs, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, probably assuming Otani's gone anyway. You know that they're not going to be able to keep him. I mean, they put the they've spent so much money and they just don't go to the playoffs. Rendon and Trout and it's if they if they can't get to the playoffs, that's going to be a big surprise. Did you see this this pitch com thing that they they okayed for 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 the league, Otani used it last night. Yeah, it was yeah. the same thing Gallon was using. Same last thing Gallon was using. Yeah, yeah. the thing yep. on his glove, yep. the little the, with the buttons. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of fascinated by that because I was reading about the story about that on, on Otani and you know just you know calling your own game. Yeah, you know which you know you think that you, catches have always called the games, and now that this is approved, pitchers have the ability to basically call their own games. Yeah, they were talking during the Diamondbacks broadcast last night that that all of the veteran pitchers on the Diamondbacks are basically going to call their own games, and the young guy is going to, and that was something my wife, who's also a big baseball fan, was like, so wait a minute, the catchers aren't, they aren't determining what pitches are thrown anymore, and again, it's like, it makes kind of sense, doesn't it? It's all the cut down on the time, so rather than the catcher looks over, gets a signal from the dugout, flashes down the fingers, pitcher shakes his head, you know, all while we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, pitcher just goes, curveball, low and away, I'm throwing it, and the catcher, okay, whatever you want, man, here we go, you know, and it just moves the game along. And I think with all the information over we talk about this so many times. The information overload that these players are given—they almost they could they could almost call the game themselves. They can call the game oh, themselves. Sure. They don't need the matter because they're all on the same page with you know how to attack a, a batter. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we are halfway home on this Friday afternoon, which means we got to get you caught up on everything that's going on in sports, including some stuff we haven't even talked about yet. All the top sports stories in one spot. Four o'clock reset is next. Burns and Gambo.